the story of Naaman. Um, as we begin to look at it, I, I don't know if it's because we've uh, started started soccer this past week or because of March Madness going on, the basketball tournament, but I was, I was thinking in this passage and thinking about in light of the, the church body and how uh, a team player is one who puts the, uh, the best of the team before their own desires. And as a coach, you love players that are willing to do whatever is necessary for the good of the team. Even if it means playing a position that, that maybe they don't, isn't their first choice. Maybe they don't really enjoy playing that much. But when they say, I'm willing to do whatever because they want to see the team prosper. They want to see the team do well. And in thinking of that, I was thinking of how much better off uh, a church body would be if everybody had that mentality of whatever I need to do, whatever is necessary for me to do for the well-being of the church body, for the spiritual growth of one another, even if it means uh, serving in a position that maybe I don't enjoy. And you may be saying, uh, what in the world does that have to do with this passage? Well, uh, let's read this and we'll get into that and hopefully it'll make sense as, as we go through. Second uh, Kings chapter 5. Now Naaman, the commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master. Because of him, by him, the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but a leper. And the Syrians had gone on raids and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, if only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for the for he would heal him of his leprosy. And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus said the girl who is from the land of Israel. Then the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. Then he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which said, Now be advised when this letter comes to you that I have sent Naaman, my servant, to you, that you may heal him of his leprosy. And it came and it happened when the king of Israel read the letter that he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive? And this man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy. Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me. So it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he sent the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious and said, and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Are not the Abana and the Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he went his way in a rage. And his servant came near and spoke to him and said, my father, 
if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more than what he says to you? Wash and be clean. So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to uh, the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. And he returned to the man of God, and he and all his aides, and came and stood before him, and he said, Indeed, now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Now, therefore, please take a gift from your servant. But he said, As the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive nothing, but he urged him to take it, but he refused. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we look to your word tonight, I pray that your spirit would be our guide. Lord, that that you would guide what I say, that our hearts would be sensitive to what you desire to teach us through your word. Lord, I thank you for uh, the truth that we read. I thank you for what you desire to do in us. And I pray that through it, you might be glorified. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. So tonight, we want to look at a couple of the characters in this passage. Um, We're going to look at the servant girl in this passage, and then we're going to look at Naaman. So starting out, we want to look at some of the lessons uh, that we can learn from the servant girl first mentioned. Now, there's not a lot that that we know about her. We don't even know her name. Uh, But here we read uh, in verse 2, and the Syrians had gone on raids, and they brought her back, a captive, from one of their raids. And now she was waiting. She was a servant of Naaman's, uh, Naaman's wife. The first lesson that I think we learn from her is don't complain where God has placed you. Don't complain where God has placed you. You may look at your life, you may look at your story, and you may say, this is not the story, this is not the past, this is not the future that I had hoped to have. This is not uh, the failures that I have experienced. This is not what, what I wish was in my past. But don't complain where God has brought you and where God has placed you now. I think of many examples in the Bible, that that God used. Here we have a servant girl that we don't even know her name. She could have said, what am I doing? What happened to me that I was taken from my home? We don't know what happened to her family. I'm guessing it wasn't very great what happened to her family since she was taken in this raid. But she could have said, why me of all people to be here stuck as a servant in Naaman's house? I think of other servants that God used. I think of Joseph, how God uh, used him as a as a servant, as a slave, and then found he found himself in prison. And every step along the way of Joseph, when things seem to always be going wrong, you always see it says that the Lord was with him. I think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And how here they were as as slaves, as servants. And here they were, they would not bow down and worship a false god. They made a stand. I think of Daniel and how he was not willing to uh, to forsake spending time with God in prayer. So instead of instead of complaining about where maybe where God has placed you, 
Instead, ask God to use you where you are now. So, first lesson, don't complain about where God has placed you. Second, always look to put others before yourself. First of all, not complaining about what God is doing in your life. Second, looking to put others first. Putting the needs of others before your own. Going back to being a team player. A team player is one who is always putting their team before themselves. Here we see this servant girl putting the needs of her owner, her master. She wasn't thinking of herself. She wasn't, why why am I here? Serves him right that he has this trouble going on. Uh, Philippians 2 and verse 3 says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. She could have said, here I am in this foreign land with this, uh, with this guy. Wow. I'm not going to say anything. I, I know that there is a prophet that could heal him. I know there could be something that could take care of this for him. I'm none of my business. I'm, I'm not here to try to help them. Uh, I'll take care of, I'll do what I have to as a servant, but I'm not going to go past that. She should, could have been whining about what had got her there, but she wasn't rejoicing in her enemy suffering. And that's the third lesson that we see. She's not rejoicing that her owner, her master, has leprosy. How many times do we see uh, bad things come to, maybe we wouldn't even call them our enemies because we, we don't want to say that, but we see things happening to those that we don't really like. And, well, they, they probably had that coming. I, I, I know what they've, I know what they've been up to. That's why, that's why this or that happened. They had that coming. It serves them right. Proverbs 24 and 7, verse 17 says, do not rejoice when your enemy falls and do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles. So don't rejoice when they fall. And even when they stumble a little, a little, it shouldn't, oh, maybe they're, maybe they're going down, you know? You get a little excited. Oh, maybe, maybe they're going down. Uh, the Iowa Hawkeye game today. Anybody not see it? I don't want to spoil anything. They got your hopes up. They came all the way back from a big deficit. And at halftime, they were down by 20-some points and came all the way back, tied it, sent it to overtime. You got your hopes up. You're like, at halftime, you're like, that's ah, over. Forget them. They get your hopes up and then just crash again, Right? Don't don't rejoice when your enemy stumbles. Uh, Matthew five, love your enemies. Do you think that she was rejoicing that her that Naaman had leprosy? If she was, she wouldn't have gave him a solution to his problem. She wouldn't have pointed him to Elisha. But no, she suggested if he could just get there, um, if he could go to the prophet then he would heal him of his leprosy. Didn't say, I have, this, I have this concoction that I've seen work on people before. No, she pointed him to the answer. When we are showing love to our enemies, we are living out Christ to the unlovely. She was living out Christ to Naaman and his household. 
Lesson number four, no matter where you are or who you are, God wants to use you. Do you think that this girl, when she was captured, would have ever thought that she would have made it into the word of God? Think about that. Here she's taken from her home, terrified, I'm sure. Do you think she would have ever thought that I would be one of the ones written about in the word of God? Now, we don't know a lot about her, but I guarantee you that she has rewards in heaven because of pointing Naaman to the answer of his problem, pointing Naaman to to the Lord. And this teaches us no one is too big or too small for God to use. You may say, I'm just a child. No one is too big or too small for God to use. You may say, I'm too old, I'm too young, I can't do what I used to. It doesn't matter. Over and over we see God loves to use people who were not expecting it, but they were willing. So we may not know her name, but I guarantee you, God knew her name. So she was willing for God to use. But then we see, don't lose faith when you are surrounded by wickedness. Don't lose faith. Over and over, we, we mentioned examples, some of those examples already. But if you look throughout, throughout the New Testament, the Old Testament, those that remained faithful did so when they were faced, facing great wickedness. It's not like their, their life was just this ease. You look at the life of some of the prophets. You look at the example of Paul. You look at the apostles. They faced great wickedness, uh, wickedness that we would have trouble comprehending in front of them every day. But yet they did not lose faith. They were constantly renewed by constantly looking back to God, looking to him. So don't lose faith when surrounded by wickedness. Um, and then don't don't let your past stop you from serving in the present. Don't let things that have happened in the past stop you from doing something now. Satan loves to fill us with excuses, doesn't he? He loves to give us all these reasons why we can't do something, why we can't be a light in our community. He loves to fill us with excuses, but don't let Stop past successes or past failures stop you from being in the moment and serving the Lord where you are. Uh, think of the excuses that Paul could have made of, you know, I had persecuted the church. I had uh, gone against the working of the Lord. You talk about going against going against God's working, but God transformed his life and he he looked back on that just to say, this is where I've come and I'm never going back there again and constantly looking forward. So, so don't let the past stop you from serving now. And then I think maybe the, the biggest point of, of her life is speak the truth with boldness. Speak the truth with boldness. So here we, we have a, a servant 
And we don't know the, the much detail about the situation, but it took courage for her to speak up and to point them to say, you know, if you could just take him to the, to the man of God, he could, he could take care of this leprosy. It took great boldness to speak up and to say that to, with people that did not believe in the same, the same God that you did. Uh, the examples that we gave, that I gave earlier of Joseph and, and Daniel. Think of the courage of, of, of Joseph as he's standing before the Pharaoh and coming from prison and knowing what he's been through. Here he's standing before Pharaoh and Pharaoh's asking him to interpret a dream. And what is Joseph's response? He says, God will give you, give Pharaoh the answer. He doesn't say, yes, I, I was able to interpret dreams in, in prison when I was with those other guys. He didn't. Nope. He said, God will give you the answer. Think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as they would not bow down. And I love, I love their answer in that they say, we know that God is able to save us. I, I love their confidence in that they say, we have no doubt that God can save us from the fiery furnace. In, in them saying that, uh, you get the sense of the confidence that they had in the Lord. It wasn't, oh, what are we going to do? It was, God's able to save us, but they say, they said, if he doesn't, we want everybody to know that we did not bow down. Think of the faith and the boldness of speaking the truth that even laying our life on the line, we are not going to bow down and worship anything beside the one true God. And we know how God saved them from that. We know how uh, the king's heart was, was changed. Think of Daniel not willing to surrender either and how God saved him from the mouth of the lions. And in Daniel chapter 6 and verse 26, after Daniel is saved out of the lion's den, the king said, he is the living God, steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one that shall not be destroyed. His dominion shall endure to the end. These four examples, the servant girl, who were bold enough to speak the truth, were able to see firsthand the working of God. If they had remained silent, they would have missed out on a great working of the Lord. But they spoke the truth with boldness, trusting God, if he could just get to the one true God, the prophet of the one true God, he would find healing. They spoke the truth with boldness, and they saw a great working of the Lord. I think of uh, Mark Cahill in... Uh, sharing the gospel with people, he said, if, if you can help them take one step closer. And in reading this account, I thought, that's exactly what this servant girl did. She planted a little seed. She helped them take one step closer. Now I want to look at a couple examples from the life of Naaman that we can, that we can learn from. So here we have Naaman, a commander of the army a very honored man, very powerful man, but he has this problem. 
And we learn from him that God can work through bad for our good and his glory. Here he was, powerful man, had a problem of leprosy that he couldn't take care of. In all his power, now he initially tried to take care of it on his own, didn't he? He thought, if I can get to the king and maybe the king can direct me. And the king of Israel was like, why are you coming to me? You know, instead of pointing him to God, he he kind of uh, kind of melted down with it, didn't he? But when he, even when he went to Elisha, he he thought, man, I, I thought he was going to come out and make this big to do over me and wave his hands. And, you know, we'll have this big celebration out in front of the house. And boy, that really hurt his pride. Elisha didn't even come out. Just gave him some easy command, but go, go dunk in this horrible river, you know, go dunk in the Sheraton River. This is not what I was expecting at all. But through it all, we see that God was working through what Naaman initially thought was this problem that he had to overcome. For Naaman's own good, he found healing in it, but also for the glory of God. And that's what we see in the end of the account of him giving the glory to God uh, as the Lord lives before whom I stand. Uh, You know, Elisha said, I will receive nothing, but he gave all the praise that surely this is the one true God. But we also see from Naaman that pride always gets in the way of the working of God. It always gets in the way of what God is doing. We know that that pride uh, puts us in opposition to God, that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. But his pride really put him, got in the way of what God was doing in his life. It wasn't until one of his other servants, you know, kind of said, hey, if he had told you something really difficult to do, you would have done it. But because it's something simple, your pride is hurt. You're offended because he didn't come out and, oh, wow, Naaman's here. He's so wonderful. Let me see how I can help you. Because of that, you're not willing to do this simple task. He expected a big, a big miracle, but what he got was something very simple, and it hurt his pride. And his pride almost got in the way of God healing him. And that's the other lesson I think Another lesson we learn, we want to see, we want to do something great for God, but he just wants us to humble ourselves and submit. When we do that, God ends up doing something great in our life. But we, we as mankind come and, oh, I need to do this for God and I need to do that for God. And no, God wants you to submit to him, to humble yourself to lay down your own agenda, your own pride, and say, Lord, whatever you do, even if it means dipping in the Jordan River, I'm willing to do that. And then we see that God's way is always best. In, in Luke chapter 4 and verse 27, it says about this, this passage, that there were many lepers in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them were cleansed except for Naaman the Syrian. So the example is 
Why, why was Naaman healed and others were not? Comes back to God's way is best. God chose to heal Naaman, chose to not heal those in Israel. God knows their heart and God knows what is best. He did things. He finally chose to do things God's way. He humbled himself. He dipped in the river. And when he came out, I can't imagine the look of his his face and his servant's face as he came out and he was clean. And it it says that, that his skin was like the flesh of a child, you know, restored. I'm guessing news spread and everybody was was coming afterwards like, did you hear what happened to him? And trying to get that that baby fresh skin. He finally chose to do things God's way. And God, God healed him. God's way is always best. So in thinking of where God has placed you, where God has brought you. What kind of a team player are you? If you were the one taken in captivity, if you were the servant, would your focus still be on the Lord? Jim Elliott said, wherever you are, be all there. Live to the hilt in every situation you believe to be the will of God. So wherever God has placed you, it's not by accident. She could have said, why am I here? There's no purpose in that. Why can I be back in my own country where I can worship, worship God? Wherever God has placed you, it is not by accident. But have you humbly submitted to him to allow him to work in your life and then work through you? And then what are you doing in your neighborhood to be a light? Are you speaking the truth with boldness? There are people around you who are desperately in need of you to point them. I know the one who can bring healing to your life. We know the one that can bring healing. Are you speaking the truth with boldness? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this this lesson. And although we may not know her name, we have much to learn from her example of pointing people to you, of pointing people to the one uh, that could only bring healing. Lord, I pray that you would give us the, the boldness to speak the truth with love to, to those that we come in contact with this week that we would look for opportunities to help them take one step closer to knowing you. Lord, you have placed all of us in different areas, in different jobs, different neighborhoods, and none of that is by accident. Lord, help us to be willing vessels for you to use that we might help bring other people to you that we might show forth your greatness because truly you are great in every way. Lord, we love you. We thank you for working in our heart. We thank you for continuing to work in our heart daily, showing us areas that we need to change. And I pray that we would be obedient to that. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.